Hello, Yes Mamas. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Yes Mama podcast. This podcast is a place for moms to come together and to get some simple advice on how to be their best self, how to feel best in your body so that you can show up as your best self for your kid and build some really amazing, close relationships. The goal of this podcast is really to have happy, confident, successful kids. And the best way I've found to do that with my own kids and the way and the ones that were in my class were showing up as my best self. So I was there for all the things that my kids need. Does that mean we're our best self every second of every day? No, but it's the awareness of knowing how to get back into it. And the awareness of the simple things that we can do to get ourselves back into alignment and happiness so that we can show up for our kids. So thank you so much for showing up to do this work together. Again, the goal is happy, healthy, confident kids. But the byproduct is a happy, healthy, confident mom. So thank you for being here on the Yes Mama podcast. I am so happy you're here. I have so much love for every one of you. Now go love on those kids. Here we go. All right. The recording has started. Thank you, Grace. I'm going to call you Grace Dunn because that is how I know you from, I know, from back in the day. Now Grace Case, um, who was my Annabelle's teacher in kindergarten, so first real teacher, and then first grade. And the picture, I was going through scrapbooks this morning because the picture that I have of you in my head during that time was Annabelle got to be line leader on Halloween. And I don't know if you remember it because, again, it was a very long time ago, but she had on her blue, like, Cinderella princess dress, and you showed up in a blue Cinderella princess dress. So the look on this five-year-old's face when her favorite teacher and her got to hold hands in the Halloween parade was just like magic. So thank you so much for loving on my kid way back when and and just your the joy and the presence that you brought her as her first, you know, real teacher in kindergarten. So I just wanted to start with a huge thank you for for that. Thank you for saying that. I'm so excited to reconnect with you. And it's just been so much fun seeing your journey over the years and seeing Annabelle and Tristan and, you know, witness the, the journey. It's been, it's been a gift. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We also both are teachers who became moms after the fact. I was a stepmom right away before, you know, Becoming a teacher and a stepmom kind of at the same time, but you were a teacher before you were a mom. Any little things that you brought, any gems of advice or whatever that you brought from the classroom home, things that you learned about being around kids before you had your own? Yeah, I think, you know, just having the educator lens helped me as my kids entered school. Okay, how so? So... You know, I am not a huge believer in homework, truthfully. So when homework came home and it was a stressful night, you know, we had swim team or something. I would just say to the kids, you know, um, let's let's shelf this for another day. It's not a big deal. Um, And email the teachers or communicate with the teachers that that we're going to skip homework for the day. Um, Routine. Go over. What did the teachers say? They were always pretty receptive. I think 
Yeah. Yeah. As the kids get older, now my kids in middle school, so there's more accountability and more, um, ex, you know, I think they expect more, but right. in the younger, in the elementary years, I think teachers were pretty flexible with that. Good. Um, yeah. And then also just establishing routines, you know, being a classroom teacher, you have to have a schedule and a routine and predictable, um, a predictable schedule and kids really respond well to that. And so in my home, I would try to create that too, you know, leave room for just flex, you know, and spaciousness, but also have like a predictable routine at home was helpful. Absolutely. I sometimes just call it too, just like circadian rhythms, you know, and I realize that that's more, you know, how the, the sun and the moon and whatever, and going to bed at the same time every night, but it is the same thing. And it, and it is predictable in terms of, we always have dinner at, you know, six or whatever it is. And then the kids know what's coming and then they can feel safe within that, that, yep, we always do homework first when we get home so that we can go to swim team so that we can. And then dinner's always right. That, that, that structure, they can really feel safe within that. Absolutely. Um, and then when I became a Montessori teacher, it's even more so. It's, you know, creating the the environment, not just from the schedule on the time, but but also just making sure that they have everything that they need and then they can be creative within that structure. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're finding that, you know, we're doing a lot of that at home now. Uh, my older one, my younger one loves, um, I think it's called like tinkering time or uh, maker space. And so basically she just builds from the recycling bin, but there's c- certain things that she likes like pipe cleaners and pom-poms and, you know, so I just gather materials, put it in the garage and that's, you know, an invitation for her to create. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then building that time in that she can go and do that. And, you know, when it's time to stop, when it's time for the next thing and she's kind of in the middle of it, is there any good mom advice about how to, to transition to the next, next thing she needs to do? You know, I've set up the schedules because I, I, I know my kids and what works for each kid. So Mm -hmm. I've set up the schedule in alignment with who they are and what their needs are. So my younger one, her name is Nola. She doesn't have any after school activities. So she can do maker space for 30 minutes or four hours. You know okay. what I mean? Like yeah. she has plenty of time. Yeah. And she knows when it's dinner time, it's time to transition, etc. Um, she'll often want to help with dinner and chop vegetables and Absolutely. make and all that. My other one, Sophia, who's older, she does really well with being busy. She loves to move her body. And school doesn't provide that space to move her body during the day. So when she comes home, she needs that. So she is my, you know, swim team, rock climbing, blacksmithing, ski club, like any extracurricular. She's like, I'll sign up. I'll do it, you know. And so she... um, has a busier schedule, which is harder to balance because, you know, I don't want to over schedule her. Right. Yeah. Balance is the best word for that. Absolutely. Where it's enough, but not too much. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she still does need her time to, for her, she likes to listen to audiobooks and to make jewelry or play with clay. And so she needs that time too, but not as much as her younger sister. 
You know, it's interesting. And it's all, and it, it, it always changes depending on their ages and their developmental stages where they're at in terms of like hormones, my older one's about to be 12. So that's a big, you know, change. Yeah. So, um, just, yeah, being in tune with their needs and who they are as people, Mm -hmm. um, is a huge piece of like the puzzle there. You know, when I think your question was, how do you, uh, transition if they're in the middle of something. Right. And so I think that was a, that was a bigger issue when they were little, where they're playing Legos or blocks and it's time to go somewhere. It's like, wait a minute, you know, exactly. <laughs> leave the park, I think is the classic one. Right. Like, time to go. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I, my tool then was just, you know, in five minutes, we're going to be leaving the park. So in the next five minutes, you know, make sure you do the final things you really want to do here and we'll be back tomorrow or something like that. Absolutely. Well, I just have to applaud you, pat you on the back. I know, I know who you are, so it's not surprising to me, but the whole thing about knowing your kid, knowing each individual personality, each individual, not just what they need, but being open enough with being comfortable with who you are to really see them for who they are Mm -hmm. and then help guide them in that direction. You know, it's not that Nola you know, if she doesn't want to do 12 activities, you're okay with that. It's not a reflection of you in any way, shape or form. That's who she is. That's how she works best in the world. And so you're allowing her the space to be her. And what a, what a gift from a mom to, to be able to do that. I just pointed her out because it's, yeah. it's almost that, that the underscheduling moms are the ones that are like, oh, well, I make her. No, if she doesn't, if school and, and tinkering is enough and that's filling her up and she's happy and social and all the things that we need to hit, why not let her just be her, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, my messaging to my girls is we need to find things that bring us joy. Yes. And we need to find things that spark curiosity and ignite that joy within, right? Because it's a ripple effect. Like if you're joyful and happy, you're going to go out into the world and spread that. And so, and I had that mindset of like, Nola Bell needs to find p- either a piano, like a music instrument or a sport. Like she needs to find something. And I had that mindset and she, we did piano. And after four weeks, she didn't want to do it anymore. And I was really encouraging, to, or encouraging her to stick with it. And she said, mom, you've told me to find things that bring me joy. And this isn't bringing me joy. So I want to quit. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Well, you know, it was like, it was my, uh, mindset that was driving her and she's, she's had the voice and the awareness to say, I need to actually come home from school and just have some downtime. Like, all right. And so she's meet her there. You met her there. She said, this is not bringing me joy. And you heard her and let her tell you that. Right. Cause even when they're little and, and they say that. Sometimes you're like, oh, but I paid for it for, you know, six months or, oh, well, too bad. We're doing this until it's done. You know, there's so many things. The fact that you could meet her there and she told you exactly what she was feeling. I think that has to just create, I mean, I know it does, but it has to just create this bond where she knows she can tell you anything then. Right. 
And it's that this, she comes to you with, with this and you responded in a way that made her feel safe and heard and understood, then she can come to you with anything. Yes. And it's this message of, I trust you. I trust that you know what is best for you, even though you're nine, right? Yes. It doesn't matter. Like I, cause I want my kids to really tune into who they are, what feels right, trust their intuition. And this is an example of that. It's like, okay, I trust that, you know, piano is not the right thing for you. Even though my mind is like, well, you're really talented. Right? <laughs> like maybe, maybe it's just hard at the beginning. Cause you don't know yet. It's like, all right, you know, when she's ready, she'll advocate for herself that she wants to do piano, just like she's advocated for herself that she really wanted to, a mountain bike and rollerblades and, you know, those things like, and wants to, yeah. So she spends her time after school in the field, picking flowers, making, you know, these beautiful creations out of nature and swinging from the aerial yoga hammocks and, um, you know, tinkering in the garage. So absolutely. Absolutely. That also speaks to, it's a little teacher part of my brain that's, that's jumping in that whole gardener nine intelligences and how everyone has their own gift, their own things that they're good at, not so good at or whatever. I like to think of it from the positive things that they're, they are really good at. Um, again, as a music teacher who is teaching piano, I understand if it's not her thing, but there's all these things we're good at. And actually one of the things, or, or I guess two of the things, one is interpersonal and the other one is intrapersonal, right? So the fact that one of the things that sounds to me like she's really good at and finding in nature is listening to herself, going out, finding these flowers that speak to her. And she doesn't need anyone else with her to do that, mm -hmm. right? She doesn't need that validation from a friend, from a peer, from you to get in there and create. So it sounds to me like that's one of her skills, not just the creativity and the art piece, which is another one of Gardner's, but also that, um, that she can be alone, that she enjoys yeah. being alone, that that's, that's something that, you know, obviously maybe a, an introvert, right? <laughs> yeah. And to have independent play, I think is really powerful for kids. Yes. You know? And when the kids come to me saying I'm bored, I'm like, great. Cause you're not going to want to be bored for long. So you'll figure out something to do. Just give yourself a little bit more time. <laughs> I completely agree. I complete. And that's actually a great segue. Not that we won't talk about your older one more in a minute, because it's funny. My Annabelle is the one that has to have a million activities just absolutely at the beginning of this year, which is her senior year in college. She was so overcommitted for the first three weeks of school that she said, Mom, what did I do? I, I don't even have time to go to class because she, you know, is the president of the ski team. And for her sorority, she was like the one that walks them around alpha, mm -hmm. whatever, I forget the name of it. And, you know, helping the freshmen pick their houses. And, and then she was helping a professor with something else with the ball. And she said, what did I do? I said, you always say yes. You, you raise your hand, you want to do it all. And now you got to learn Maybe sometimes we don't say yes to every, cause she does love it and loves being out there and being busy is definitely what she enjoys. But then there's the other half of it of, you know, now I'm not, <laughs> I'm not scheduling it for you. So make sure you're not completely overscheduled and then burned out. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, a lesson in balance, you know, I think the universe yeah. or life is always presenting that lesson to us in various forms. 
For sure. For sure. Okay. So my transition was that the moment of, of being bored, uh, my family had the opportunity to go and live in Nepal mostly, but we were also in Thailand, India, New Zealand, blah, blah, blah. And we spoke to you a little bit. I, I guess we were out of your world maybe a year out, but we were still kind of in touch. Um, and your family had an opportunity to live in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about that in terms of there's so much transition in it, right? There's so much, not just the moment where you decide, okay, we're going to live internationally and like just change, but there's so much blowing up of everything that's normal and everything your kids know in terms of friends and school and routine and, and how, how you help them feel safe mm -hmm. and kept that positivity of this is an adventure we're doing together. You know, you have to have that, that view behind it. So let's start at the beginning. How did the Costa Rica idea even come up? How did you guys choose to go? How did that all come about in your world? So we had always wanted to live abroad and uh, my husband's a surfer. So he really wanted to live in a beach town and I really wanted to live in a Spanish speaking country. And so okay. we searched for um, great schools, international schools that would um, fit the profile. And we found a little town in Costa Rica called Nasara. And they had an amazing Montessori school. And um, it was in a beach town, great surf, amazing yoga community. Mm -hmm. And um, it was also in the blue zone. And what sparked this, we, we had always wanted to live abroad, but I had just recently read a National Geographic about the blue zones and it was profiling Guanacaste. And if you, you're, are you familiar with the concept of a blue zone? Very much so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought, Oh my gosh, how amazing to live in a blue zone and expose our kids to a new language, a new culture, another way of living. And um, so we decided to do it and we, we applied to the school we got in and it was we were all fueled with excitement. We're all adventure seekers. And um, so the transition there was pretty smooth. I mean, we certainly had some bumps in the road in terms of housing and buying a car and not yeah. fully being fluent in Spanish and navigating that. So the transition was um, pretty smooth. And, um, you know, there, there was some sadness leaving friends, but it was also this agreement that we were planning to just go for one year. So I think that was also comforting that they thought, okay, we'll be back in a year, you know, right. we can FaceTime, we can write letters to our friends, et cetera. And so landing in Costa Rica was pretty smooth and it was an amazing experience. It was by far the most profound experience we've ever had as a family. In fact, our kids still talk about it as the best years of their life. You okay. know, they still revisit those memories saying uh, things like, why did we ever leave? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. when, when are we moving back there? And I'm like, those are great questions, right? <laughs> because it was pretty magical. We lived a barefoot lifestyle. We drank coconuts from the trees every day. We went to the fruit truck every Wednesday to get fresh fruit. And we learned Spanish and we, it's, you know, live, we were living in the jungle. So we had monkeys and iguanas and all the jungle creatures in our yard, um, right. scorpions and ant invasions and all the things. Right. But it was part of the adventure. 
And we feel, I feel like when we travel, you know, our eyes are wide open in amazement of the beauty that surrounds us. And, you know, in everyday lifestyle here that I, where I'm living now, I, I tune that out. It's easy to kind of tune out in the routine of things, right? When you're, when I'm the music of it or what are you tuning out? The, the beauty of the world. Okay. Take it for granted. I think living there, everything was so new and, you know, beautiful and remarkable and exciting. And I, um, yeah, I think it really heightened all of our awareness to this idea of, um, spirituality, consciousness. And, um, we really grew as a family and as individuals. And, um, you know, we'll see how things evolve, but we do hope to go back for, for, to Costa Rica for high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. There's a family friend of ours who they're in a little town in Mexico and a lot of the, it's a whole expat community and they kind of do the same thing and they all know that they're down there together and they have houses and an amazing school. And it's just, yeah, it's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice of people who have come together and really are like, let's live purposefully, I think is, is everyone I talk to that has done this in some sort of way has, has done it for a real reason. And it mm-hmm. is like you say, it's, there's so much conscious, there's so much, especially when you're in a completely new place. I remember going to the market in India and being like, okay, let's see what's there. You know, you just have no idea what's going to come and you have, and you're surprised and delighted when there's something that's, you know, new or different. And it's like, Oh, right. And you have to just enjoy that ride and just have fun with it. And, you know, learning how to wash my vegetables and fruit was a whole Mm -hmm. (laughs) whole thing of, okay, how much bleach do you use to wash it off to make sure we don't get sick? You know, I mean, there's so many pieces of it, but can you speak to the, the fact that you, your husband too, obviously, but you, because this is a mom's podcast, are the leader in terms of seeing the magic, seeing the joy, because there are, I'm sure there were things that came across that were difficult, right? There was not like magic and joy and spiritual every single day. I'm sure there were some, some adversity in there. How did you lead? Mm. How did you stay in the, in the moment yourself so that you could show the girls how to do that as well? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I think, really being committed to my daily practices, Um, yoga, meditation, breath work, um, eating nutrient dense food, um, you know, having daily practices that were nourishing to my system and to my soul. Yeah. Helped me be grounded and ready to present, you know, ready to welcome my children as the, before they wake up. So I would always wake up around five o'clock in the morning. I still do. Yeah, I <laughs> and I do my morning ritual before they wake up so that I am fully present and grounded. And then when they rise, it's like, good morning, let's have smoothies. You know, it's not I'm like, done, that. It's not, you know, 
it's so funny because every time I talk to someone or when I think of doing, you know, as part of this podcast, I'm doing like a Monday mom mindset. So just like a, a simple 10 to 15 minute, let's just get our head on right for the week. And then the longer ones on Thursdays. And as I'm recording them, I find myself recording about all these things that when I'm recording, they feel so, I don't want to use the word simple, but, but simple, like a gratitude practice, Mm -hmm. uh, taking time for yourself. You hear it all the time. Drink enough water. I mean, let's start with that one, right? Just make sure you're hydrated. And it, it's so funny that when you do build those days and you're used to it and you've done it and it's your normal way of life, you know how important it is. But when you're kind of just starting out or you're really stressed for whatever reason, work, home life, whatever, and it goes by the wayside, you forget how these things that are, that are so simple make so much difference. Absolutely. Even just one minute of mindful breathing can be a yeah. big danger. And I believe breath is medicine and we, we all have the power to just quiet the mind for a minute, close the eyes and focus on the breathing. And it really calms the nervous system. It reframes the thoughts and it's, um, a game changer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's funny because, you know, I feel like it's so simple and I'm like, yeah, you should find gratitude. And like anyone listening would be like, yeah, okay. I've heard that a million times. But then I come back to it as it's, it's huge for me. I mean, I, as part of my whole morning thing, there's breathing and meditation and yoga is like all the things you said. Absolutely. So we're just on the same page, but it it seems so like cliche, right? Mm -hmm. I guess that's the word I'm going for. Like, oh, well you should meditate. And so there are people listening like, okay, I've heard that before. So, you know, we as moms who are super close to our kids and are finding kids who are learning to listen to themselves. I know I've taught my kids um, definite breathing techniques. It's I'm trying to think there was a, a thing with Tristan the other day where a breathing technique that I taught him when he was doing biathlon. So when you get your, you know, you get your heart rate way high from doing all the skiing and then you get to the, to the shooting part and his heart was breathing going so fast that he could barely see where the things were. And he had remembered uh, that classic four by four, the box breathing that I had taught him. And so these things come back to the kids when they need them, right? When, when we've taught it to them over and over and they've, they've felt how it does calm the nervous system and how it does help them to refocus in a time that they need it in a big test or when someone's being mean to them at school. I know my kids have used it then too. My daughter once was like, well, I took my deep breath. And then I said to her, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, absolutely, right? So we have to do these things for ourselves so that they can see it in action and then and then use it when they need it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so anchoring into those daily practices, like you said, you asked about being the leader of the family. Mm-hmm. And then that brings so much peace within and, and joy and doing things. I, I'm a big believer in doing things that bring joy and that could shift. That could be something simple as like just listening to the birds outside or going to a yoga class or walking on the beach. Um, but having that then creates this sense of leadership that's joyful and exciting 
And when the kids come, I mean, certainly there were times of um, challenge, challenging times in Costa Rica when the kids got sick. We were in a teeny tiny town and it's like, oh, goodness, where do we go and take them to the doctor? The closest hospital is four hours away. Is this urgent? Are we, you know, and we're not no. speaking the language as well as I had hoped by that time. So um, there were certainly challenging times, but those practices serve the mom during those times too. It's like, okay. I think that's when, um, you know, the spiritual stuff came in too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And just speaking to the joy, it's, it's, it's funny how you get used to lining up with it, right? When you choose that and you choose today, I'm going to find the things that, that do bring me joy and I'm going to lean in and that's your, the glasses you put on, right? The rose colored glasses. Okay. I'm, there's no reason not to live in joy. Again, it feels so simple and so cliche. So I feel like I'm even being simple and silly talking about it, but it's everything. It's, it's, if I look for it, then my brain is always going to look for it, right? Those subconscious thoughts that if I say I want to buy a blue car, you're going to see blue cars everywhere, right? So your brain is actually helping you by looking for it. And then when you see it, being like, wow, there it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then I get to be happy. Like the, the ending part of that, the finishing it up, the closure is that then you get to live a happy life. Okay, sign me up, right? And then I get to teach my kids how to live a happy life. You know, I see a lot of moms and there are some in my family too where suffering and who's suffering more is almost a contest. You know, the mm-hmm. most, the most, important person is the one who's suffering the most, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I just, I choose to just say, no, thank you to that. I just don't sign up for that. So what, was there something that, that made you, was it your upbringing or is it just spirituality? What made you realize that living in joy, not only is a good thing, but you were like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I think, um, I got into, I got into yoga when I lived, when I moved to San Francisco. And, um, I think that journey has shifted the mindset. Um, but yeah, having this awareness that it is a choice and, you know, even in challenging situations and it's really, it's a practice I still work on every day because, you know, I'm going through a transformation now that's, that's challenging and I have a choice to, worry, or I have a choice to anchor into hope and faith and trust. And those, yes. are two, and those are two stories that my brain can create. I can create a story on worry and that can be real scary and it can feel real and it can make me stressed and anxious. And oh my gosh, what if this happens? Yeah. Right? Or I can choose. It's all true. It's all true. That all could happen. Absolutely. Yes. Or I could choose this story that is in alignment with hope and this other vision that is peaceful and calm and nourishing. And that's a story too, that I'm going to choose to focus on because that helps my body feel regulated and calm and peaceful. And so if I have, if I, but my mind wants to create two stories, then I'd prefer to focus, focus on the one that's more positive. Right. But it's a practice. It's like the awareness. 
oh, yes. my mind is going crazy and worrying about this thing that feels scary and yikes, what if that happens, right? And it's the awareness to catch that thought. And then, yes. the, and then the, I don't know what the word is, um, well, practice. There really is a practice. Yeah, absolutely. A shift the thinking. Yeah. 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 I remember um, way back when in my postpartum days. So right after I had Annabelle that, you know, you, you're in with that flood of hormone and there is that whole postpartum thing that goes on that that's true and natural and happens to everyone. And I remember thinking about it. I could get in my closet and close the door and curl up in a ball or I could walk out the door, put my baby in my little new sling, and we could go for a walk around the block. And both choices were so real and so clear. And I had to, like a light switch, choose one. Mm-hmm. Like it honestly was that like 50-50. I could go either way. And, and there is a little bit of strength to say, okay, I'm going to go this way. Right. And it's not, it's not always a choice and I'm not putting anyone down. You know, I've had bouts of depression in my life, no doubt about it. So it's, it's not a a put down in any way. I just remember it being this moment where I, it's almost like you see yourself, right. When you're having these thoughts or you're, or you feel yourself spiraling, Mm -hmm. right. Because those worry thoughts, they are true. They are something that could happen there, you know, or something that did happen. And you, you do have to, switch that, that light switch and say, you know what? Okay. But let's go this way. Right. And I think, you know, part of my morning routine is I set an intention for the day and I just think about a word. Like I want to embody peace or I want to intend to bring more kindness or something like that. So I go back to the intention too. It's like, wait a minute. My intention for the day was peace that thought is not very peaceful. So let's, you know, turn it around. <laughs> and then talk to me about how that comes back around for your kids. I mean, how, how do you show up for them then, or, or say they get in the car at the end of the day and they've had a rough day. Mm-hmm. How does doing all of that help you be a great mom? Yeah. Well, I think it's being the ability to be present to it all, the Mm -hmm. highs and the lows of parenthood. And um, so if they get in the car and have a big day, I can hold space for them to listen to how they, what their experience was. And sometimes they just need to share how terrible their day was. And sometimes they're looking for answers or support or help, you know? So I can, I think, tune in to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a time where Sophia just needs to dump. Got it. I can, I can, I'm not going to try to fix it or I'm just going to, wow, that sounds like a really hard day. Yeah. I would do that too. I, yeah, I, I get it, right? Yeah. I don't jump on the, the train with her, right, and say, Right. It's, so it's this awareness, it's this presence that I, I think that those daily rituals, those daily routines help create this space of mm, being aware, I think. Yeah. I, being aware. Um, you know, when we tap into like what's going on in our brains, 
we have a lot of noise in our in our minds, right? And I think that when we can become aware of that, then things start to shift. Right. Right. When you see it just as that, right? The monkey mind is one of the things that they call it. Exactly. When you see like my mind is spinning and you can, oh, yep, that's spinning. There it is. I see it there. Exactly. I think that one of the, and I forget who said it, maybe Brene Brown or someone like that, but it was, do you want me to listen, give advice or fix it? Yes. Right. Right. What do you need right now? And and a lot of, a lot of times you're not actually asking that you're just thinking it in because you know, we're the adult in the room. We're the ones that's showing up as the parent. So it's knowing that we need to calm ourselves and not, not join into the story exactly and not make it worse by trying to fix it for them. Because, you know, that whole learned helplessness piece, you want them to figure out how to do it. But one of the big things, and I talked about this, I was um, taping a couple days ago was that your mood doesn't have to match theirs. Right. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that next about like the co-regulation that that happens too, but that I don't have to, I'm having the day that I'm having, whether good or bad or whatever, but I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing to move through it as, as happily and wonderfully as I can. Then my kids get in the car at the end of the day. It's been a rough day. Maybe they're even fighting in the backseat or, you know, they both want to tell you something at the same time. And so, or you brought the wrong snack or, you know, I mean, <laughs> you never know what's going to set them off. And, and one of the things I used to say when I was teaching is, yeah, your kids sometimes are going to melt down when you pick them up. It's because you're safe. It's because they can do that with you. It's because they know that that's a time they can, you know, all the, the, things that they have to put on to get through the day, you know, pretending to be stronger than they are sometimes or being nervous because they had a test or whatever, or not getting picked at gym to be on the team that they wanted to be on. When they see you and they can just let it out and put that all down, you get to be witness to that. You get to be that safe space for them. But what I'm trying to get to is, but we don't have to lose ourselves in it. Mm -hmm. that's their day there is a little separation of I'm going to stay happy you let's help you work through it so that you can meet me up here Mm -hmm. right and then we have this kind of night together instead of letting their moods or problems pull you down yes right yes yeah um so co-regulation and we're getting off track from the international travel thing. We'll go back around, but your wisdom is so much better in all the things. So I just, we're going to stay here for a minute. Um, talk to me about co-regulation. I'm sure, you know, like the concept, right? That, that when your kids, um, vibration, uh, through space, through feeling. I mean, I have some, we all as moms have intuitive feelings of how our kids are doing. Um, and you can be in the same room and, and your, your energies kind of meld. Right. And if you are calm and you can stay calm, these little bodies that they don't know how to control themselves yet, can, co- can you speak to that a little bit? I think you're going to say it better than I just did. So please. No, it's so beautiful. And it's such a gift to be a part of that experience. To co-regulate yeah. your child is just, it's beautiful. 
And it speaks to all the things we've been talking about, trust, connection, um, awareness, being present, and this idea of being curious. If your kid is dysregulated, dysregulated, having this curiosity about, well, what is it that's causing this, right? But yeah. as you're curious and thinking about that, you're, you know, breathing and just being this anchor of strength and love and just, you know, I got you, right? And yes. I have arms wide open if you want a hug or I'll just be present in the room so you know you're safe. When you're ready, we can read a story. We can talk about it. You know, there's options here when, you, when you're ready. Or sometimes the kids just need to cry. And then again, it's like, here I am. I can hug you if you would like that, if that feels good. Or we can go outside and jump on the trampoline if that feels, you know, just giving. Yeah. But I think it's this, I, my brain is always wondering, like, why? Like, I'm trying to decode the behavior. Like what's causing this meltdown or what's causing this frustration? So my brain is, but sometimes we don't need to figure it out. No, <laughs> no. They're just, you know, little creatures who have big feelings and they express it in different ways. And, and being an anchor of love is all they need. Yeah. Yeah. I found that, um, when my daughter went through her middle school years and with the hormones and everything, and, and, you know, they say, hold on, it's quite a ride. And, and I was, we were so close and such a safe space that there was a lot of times that she just needed to almost rage in my direction, right? Over, because you know how, uh, even talking about postpartum a second ago, those hormones are real and that it's a lot. And if you don't know what that feels like or, you know, what's happening in your body and sometimes it is rage ones and I can stand in the kitchen and we always would cook together too. And I'd say, you know, why don't you, you chop up that pepper while you're here next? Well, I'm not going to. And, and she would just, and I had to remember that again, I'm the grown up in the room. I can just be here with her for her she can let all that stuff out i can and it would end with an i love you and it just you know as long as it wasn't really anger at me mean to me right to to hurt our connection i'm just going to be here okay right. so just right and and it's hard not to get upset and that's one of the things that i see with with some moms with girls well in high school too but definitely in middle school of when they're that mother daughter relationship really get, cause we all have hormones, right? <laughs> We're all doing that, being able to stay calm and, and being curious of, of how can we get through this calmly and have some reconciliation at the end, right? Mm -hmm. How can I be there for her, but not take it on? And, and when you get mad too, that's not going to help the situation. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are some moments when you say, I understand, I'll be right back. And you go cry in the bathroom for a moment and do your breathing and come back, right? So, you know, having these practices to be able to calm your own nervous system so that you can be present for it, mm -hmm. right? So right. that you can hold the space for it. Uh, I had a, a mom one time uh, when I was teaching in Montana and her daughter was one that 
was super high energy and all day long and doing all these things. And, you know, when we would go skiing, cause it was school, we could go skiing in the afternoon, a couple days a week. So going skiing and she'd come home and she was just, her energy was just up and everywhere and so much and yelling at mom and needed a snack. It was just, it was just so much going on. And I gave the advice of, I said, you feel that happening. Go to one of your bedrooms. I don't care which one lay down on the bed for a second with the lights off. Just silently. I'm a big proponent of touch too. Just, you know, touch her on the back, touch her on the chest or something. And you breathe and just give it a second. Right. Are there any really good, um, things that you've found that worked over the years or advice that you've given as a teacher when there were kids that were kind of dysregulated and the moms weren't sure how to handle it. Any little, Well, currently my youngest one, we just moved to a new house and my youngest one is now scared of the dark and Mm. is very fearful, um, around bedtime. And so we went to the crystal shop (laughs) (laughs) and talked to the owner and, you know, had a very honest conversation about this, you know, this is what's going on. And, and Nola has some fears at nighttime. And do you have any stones that would help with protection and safety and love and good dreams? And she so kindly guided us through some several stones. And Nola Bell collected a bag of stones um, and crystals to take home. And she puts them under her pillow or around her. And so that is one tool that really helped. And I'm just okay. laughing to my girlfriends. I'm like... <laughs> look at, look at, I took a picture of my daughter and I'm like, look at this is so silly, but also it, um, it soothed her. Yeah. It it worked. So, um, we're a big, you know, proponent of crystals. We have lots of crystals and gems and absolutely. But you also, you heard her, you heard that she had a true fear. You helped her figure out one way that she could do it. And then you helped her believe that this, uh, solution could work. Maybe. Yeah. You know, who says the crystals don't actually do what they say, right? We all sound silly having them, but I have a rose crystal from behind me. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe. Why not? So, yeah. But I think that that first step of being heard, right? Mom, there's a problem. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, Any other tools for co-regulating with kids? Any breathing exercises that, that you love to do with kids or any other... Yeah. When they were little, they would put at bedtime, they would put their stuffed animal, um, on their belly and Mm -hmm. I would invite them to watch the animal rise and fall, go up and down. And that was a very calming activity, um, at bedtime. Um, I'm trying to think of other, you know, it's different for each kid because each kid is so unique, right? So again, it goes back to that connection and knowing what your kid needs and what would benefit them True. to co-regulate them. Because what I would do for Sophia would be very different for what I would do with my younger child. Yeah. So like I said a minute ago with the touch, you know, there are some kids that love that and it's everything. And there are some kids, you know, not so much don't. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Sophia don't. was younger. She loved a weighted blanket. Mm-hmm. That was really helpful. And um, she loved listening to stories. So anytime she felt 
some big feelings, I would just show her a book and she would give me the thumbs up and like transitioning to listening to a story helped calm her down. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think again, it goes back to just knowing them and seeing, you know, okay, this is, this feels like they need to move their body. Oh, this feels like they need a hug and offering those things. Yeah. And that awareness that you get to provide that, right? That it's not a a burden in your day that you have to stop what you're doing to give that to them, that it's, it's this gift, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to a friend the other day and talking about how it is the long game, right? So it is a gift that you get to be there and help them with them. But because you've done it so many times in so many different ways in all these seasons of their life, now when it gets older, they want that from you and they seek it out from you, even when they can get it more from their peers. And then also when there are bigger issues, they know you're available for them to come to. Right. 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 And they get bigger kids, bigger problems. You know, (laughs) I wish, you know, sometimes that I could just scoop them up like when they were three and just like, Nope, we're not doing that. Scoop them up, take them home. And you know, when they're 20, you can't really just scoop them up and (laughs) take them anywhere. I wish. Um, what's one piece of advice you give for these different personalities? Your girls, I love how you know them so well and they're, they are, I mean, my kids are just night and day. Any advice you have for, for moms in terms of not just seeing your kids, but because they have such different personalities and, and you, you want to give them each what they need, how do you toe that line? How do you make sure that they each get what they need and no one gets left behind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that starts from day one, right? As soon as you meet your baby, um, you get to know them. And it goes, you know, through their whole evolution of development, you're constantly tuning back into where they are in their developmental stages, who they are as a being, what are their likes and dislikes, and how that changes. And um, so that's, I think, how I see it. And I also have this practice of just really tuning into the micro moments Mm, enjoying, enjoying something simple as a card game of uno and in my mind just like wow i am so grateful that i get to play, sit down and play this game with this magical little human <laughs> yes <laughs> and um you know it wasn't always like that my kids are now 9 and 11 when they're when they were 1 and 3 it was very different yeah. It's very, cause they're very, they, they need mom constantly. Yes. And so it was very, it was very, very different and a lot harder. I think each age as they get older and older is easier and easier. I don't know. I haven't entered the teen years yet. So <laughs> I will tell you that you are in a sweet spot, but that nine to 12 is definitely a sweet spot. And, and I'll tell you why they can do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the time to go to Disneyland. They can go on all the rides and the big ones they want to go on. They can ski really well. They can, they can do all the stuff. Right. And so it's this magic time where they still want to do it with you, but they are also tall enough and strong enough to do it themselves. Yes. So it's just 
I mean, we're big skiers in my family, but like I said, any kind of adventure, any kind of physical thing, they're finally old enough where they can do it too. And so it's just this like, oh yeah, let's do this now, right? And you can really see them grow and and really enjoy it too. And, and you're not carrying them around and you don't have to have nap time and you don't need 12 snacks in your purse to get through the day. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of freedom that they can really carry themselves now, mm-hmm. right? They, they can fill their wallet, water bottle because they know they're going to get their student later. Like there's a lot of things that they can start to do on their own. And so you can just watch and, hey, you did that yourself. That was great, you know. Mm-hmm. And really kind of sink into that. Um, likes and dislikes. You just said that a second ago. I just want to touch on that for a second. That's one of the ways I know people use in terms of mindfulness. That's a really easy way of tapping in, not just to your children, but to your joy, right? Mm-hmm. If you're stuck in in a in a worry spiral, if you're if you're having a bad day, but you need to get yourself out of it. Sometimes even just making a list of things you like can start to move you in that way, can start to switch that light bulb. Like it, it really honestly can be that simple. And I think one of the ways too, that we can really show our kids that we're showing up for them and love them is by knowing those, again, it seems so simple, knowing those likes and dislikes. And maybe every Thursday is one kid's favorite dinner and the whole family is showing up and, oh, Sophia likes whatever it is, you know, spaghetti and, parm, you know, primavera or whatever. And they and everyone's, oh, it's Sophia's night. And they're celebrating them. And because you took the time to know them and know what their likes are and show up with their likes for them, it is one of those another simple way of showing up for your kids. But you can also do that for yourself, too, of just thinking okay, I like driving this way home. I like coffee. I'm going to make sure to have one with me, right? It's so, it can be so simple and have such a, a profound effect. I love I guess. that. I love that so much. Yes. In fact, my little one came up with this journal idea to ha- to write down everything that brings her joy. So that yes. I, I know she's so evolved yeah. <laughs> after she has some sadness or frustration. She'll go to that list. And it's, it was so inspiring. Then we, the rest of the family did that. We're like, well, wait, we want a list that um, show, you know, is just a list of things that bring us joy so that we can go to that. As a yeah. reminder, it's like, put, let's put that in our daily schedule, right? Let's put that, <laughs> let's put that on the docket. <laughs> yeah. But again, you can connect with any... You know, I in my mind, I'm seeing now like a seven-year-old boy who's had a rough day. And like I said, you know, was, wasn't picked to be on whatever team at, you know, soccer at, at recess or whatever. It is such a simple, easy way. If you can sit down with, with a pencil or like even you writing that for them or even them learning to think of it. Because if I think for a second of like, I don't know, chocolate and the beach, love those things. I feel happier even just thinking them for like two seconds. Right. And so it is such a simple way, no matter what your age, that you can start that, that happiness spiral. So yeah, that's adorable. She thought, and why not just make a list? Yes. You know? Yes. Right. I love it. 
Love it. Okay. So I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but this is amazing. And thank you again. Uh, um, so I love to end these with just a little bit of grandma advice. So mm-hmm. when you are a grandma and your girls are moms themselves, what was the best piece of advice that you received or that you would give to your girls to, you know, be the best, happiest moms that they can be? Mm. I think, gosh, it's so layered, but there's so many things I want to say. <laughs> there can be many. It doesn't have to just be one. I think ask for help, right? Yeah. I think there's this idea that once you're a mom, you should just learn how to do it and you should just figure it out, but it's truly challenging to do. So ask for help from other moms, other women, other people in the community, whether you need help in the home with cooking or cleaning, or if you need help with babysitting and or a nanny or like just unapologetically ask for help uh, if you feel like you need it. I think um, and also just help in terms of how to navigate raising a baby and going through the toddler years and entering preschool and and the elementary school system. Like there's so much to navigate Um, and we're not we can't do it alone. It takes a village. And I think there's strength in community. So having community is so crucial because women are wanting to support other women. And if we create a community with like-minded souls, we feel supported and held and safe. And we have the courage to speak our truth and share what's on our mind, what's on our heart. And then there's this village of people that's like, oh, you know what? I see you're going through a hard time. Let me bring you dinner or let me offer to take your kids home with me after school today. And those little things are very powerful during a a time of challenge. And then you do the same for the other member in the community, you know? And so that's, I think, building a community, asking for help and just having compassion for yourself trying, no, you're not always going to get it right. And that's okay. Like just release that idea of perfectionism was a big one for me. (laughs) You know, I thought I had to do it all this one way. And it's like, no, this child is her own being. She's going to learn to sleep on her terms. That's fine. Okay. Got it. (laughs) It's not going to be perfect. Even if you want it to be perfect and you push it as hard as you can for it to be perfect and control all the little things. It's 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 just never going to be anyway. Yeah. The world works. And I think the last thing I would say is um, to value self-care, to honor your needs and to take care of yourself and carve out five minutes to an hour, whatever you can do each day to honor yourself and your needs and just some simply asking, what do I need today? And honoring that. That's beautiful. You're absolutely right. Yep. What do I need today? And is it something fun? Is it something quiet? Is it, you know, and, and really listening to what your, your intuition has to say about what you need. That's absolutely right. I totally agree. Um, Okay. Final question. If this little podcast was a time capsule and your daughters got to see it in 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, what, or do you have a favorite memory? 
Any favorite moments with your girls or one girl or, you know, anything for me, even thinking of, of you with the girls in that age, I think was one time on a chairlift when we were all going up and we had had this perfect run going down and it was sunny and, you know, just, I had both kids one on each side and, and sometimes that five minutes of perfection while you're in that moment, we were on that chairlift was just magic. So mm-hmm. is there, do you have like a, just a favorite moment that your kids would hear this and be like, Oh my gosh, I do remember that. That was amazing. Goodness. There's so many, but the one that comes to mind is when we were in Nasara and we were probably there just for about a month and we discovered, uh, some tide pools that were amazing at low tide. And we had brought our dog with us to Costa Rica. So we went down for sunset to watch the sunset with our dog and we were exploring the tide pools and we found a puffer fish that was blue. It was blue and white spotted and it was puffed up. And we were just standing there in awe at the beauty of this giant puffer fish. And, you know, then we turn around and the girls find starfish and they were just, you know, discovering the gifts that mother nature has in the ocean and watching the sunset, looking at our cute little doggy waddle around. It was just yeah, a moment in time that I will never forget for sure. Just magic. Absolutely magic. Uh, thank you so much. Your wisdom is wonderful and perfect and will help so many if they can hear it and hold it in their hearts. And, and the whole concept of this podcast is to help kids to be happier and more confident and in their bodies by helping their moms be their best selves. So I think everything that that we just said for this past hour was doing exactly that. So my gratitude for you and your time is, you know, just immense. Just there's no end to it. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here and to chat with you about all of this because it is so important. And um, it's just an honor to be a mom. It's the best thing ever and um, wonderful to chat about it. Thank you so much. What an amazing talk with Grace Case. Uh, uh, Thank you all for being here. I hope that you pulled some nuggets of wisdom that are going to help you with your day, with your momitude. I just made up that word, 100%. Um, And also just with the fact that we do get to be moms. You know, I get to pick up my kid from school. I get to be there for when they have big feelings um, and turn it from a have to into a grateful for. So I'm hoping everyone can do that today. And I also hope that you take a second and think of your best moment. Obviously there's lots, there's not just one, but one amazing moment that you've had recently or a long time ago, I don't care when it was and a time that, that it was just great being with your kid was just amazing. And think about it. What did it feel like? What did it look like? What did it smell like? Taste like, you know, all of those, um, senses. And maybe that'll give you the opportunity to see it next time it comes. Or maybe that gives you the opportunity to build in some of those moments this weekend. So I appreciate you so much. I thank you for being here for all of this on Monday. There will be another Monday mindset on Wednesday. There will be another hour long episode. So please subscribe 
feel free to leave a review. Anything you have to share helps me to move forward. And uh, thank you so much. I love you all. Now go love on those kids.